Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're back for a pre-season special. We have Christian Henedge here from ESPN and Gareth Bargas here once more also. As I've just said there, we um, are back for a pre-season special. Um, it'll be a one-off for now, probably, but we're just... Until the next one. Until, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, Paolo's transfer activities dictated this decision, of course. he's you know Nobody can say it's been dull. Um, the reason we've got Christian Hennedge in, I mean, obviously we'd want him in anyway, but he has seen um, some of our new arrivals play, so he's going to hopefully shed some light on that. Um, which will be interesting. So me and Gareth are not sitting here like idiots, just well, doing we'll all. Be sitting here like well, idiots. we will be, but you know, the guesswork will be limited now. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Rogue Report have done a, have, have went worked overtime on this this summer mm. to bring us all reports. Um, so I think people people are a little more aware than you know the the norm. I would say I, I'm not sure what other clubs would be inundated with this kind of knowledge. Mm, maybe. Hopefully. Don't know. I don't fo- don't follow other clubs. Well, on well, you know, you should. You should be aware yeah, of it. Yeah, should you should be, be aware, aware of everything that's around you. Football knowledge. That's, well, that's it. why Christians here. See, all you do is pick up the phone <laughs> or go on Twitter and harass yeah. journalists to come into the studio yeah. and tell us things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. It's and then pass it off as your own material down the line. Like, or oh, I saw Robert against Benfica and he's outstanding. Right. So that's that's my plan anyway. <laughs> We've could, got the yeah. same plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's foolproof. What could go wrong? Yeah. Um, Apart from announcing it on the podcast. Yeah, you're both okay anyway. All right, yeah. I'm hot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're really warm. He is. Yeah, um, we, did the, we did a couple of jokes before, which were <laughs> textbook, and uh, unfortunately the studio broke halfway through them, so I'm not going to go back over all material. I think so. you should. No, stand up com- comedian. There was a joke about a Calypso ice lolly, and so, based on some comment that Sunderland's tropical because it's hot. Yeah, so, all these players again, all these new arrivals have yeah. been misled into thinking Sunderland's warmer than it is. I think that's a good point. They're driving, they make sure they don't drive them past Southwark and they're coming in. <laughs> when they're coming into the stadium, they take them on yeah. the scenic route, put them up with the Marriott. Yeah. Does anyone boiling, listen in Southwark? Boiling, not anymore boiling. now, after that. But yeah, that's all right, you know. I'm from Grindon and I don't mind... Um, the Slagging derop- off Southwark, is it? <laughs> the, the, the rivalry, the Grindon-Southwark rivalry I lives on. It. I doubt it, the other side of the water. Anyway, right. Um... I'm sure we've got enough material here to keep us going for a long time. We were going to have Adam Johnson on from the Swindon end, the lad who got cut off last time. Um, I won't lie, we've had a little bit of a problem with the phone line in the studio, so it's just a coincidence happened on Adam again. But to be fair, it's probably better in a way because we've got a lot to talk. And Adam was going to go over some of the stuff, you know, regarding De Canio, how he was at Swindon in in the summers, in this pre-season there, and trying to link it together. But... 
you know, we, we, we've got enough material here with yeah. all the new players, potential players, really, I think. Well, not I think, I know. We're probably still going to go over, to be honest. So I think we'll crack on. What I'm going to well, do Christian's is... Christian's got some good stuff on DK there because he was telling us outside. DK, so right. That's something, that's something to look forward to, so stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Uh, DK, I'm glad he said that because I wasn't sure of the pronunciation. I've never had, of any of the I've never had to read his name out on yeah. air, luckily. Yeah. Um, which is, but I'm gonna I'm gonna fire the players one at a time at Kristen basically, and he's gonna hit me with his fountain of knowledge. <laughs> he's gonna soak me in Gareth with his fountain of knowledge. <laughs> sounds unusual, but you know. <laughs> you said you were warm, yeah. <laughs> and then we're gonna go back and discuss discuss it after that. Generally, the three of us, you know, try and yeah. you know, add some more substance to it. So we're going to start, Kristen, with Adilson Tavares Varela, who I don't think... <laughs> it's a good effort. Nobody will ever call him that, so Cabral? Cabral? Addy to his mates. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny, the, the situation with him, there's a bit of a commonality between Basel and Sunderland fans on this one, because you're probably both asking how good is Cabral. Basel fans probably can't tell you that much either, mm. because that's the question they've been asking themselves for the last season. He's... He was very much on the fringes, and every year he was at Barsley, he kind of had the same narrative. How many games is he going to play? The, the coaches told him he's not going to play very many. Yet he would come in sort of every now and again, and he would be really quite consistent mm-hmm. in his play and be very good about it. He's Again, if you look on YouTube, it can be somewhat deceptive. There's a, there was a goal he scored against uh, Roma in the Champions League where sort of 90-second minute burst past three defenders and you think, crikey, this is Yaya Toure yeah. with a Swiss passport. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not really Cabral. That was a, a rare foray forward. He's, he's very much a defensive midfielder that will sit and pop it five yards either way. So like, like Alfred and Dye's yeah. first game against West Ham when he made a break yeah. and nearly scored with his first touch. That was his Ned and Manu- and we, it was we, his Manua moment, that, yeah, goal, that Cabral we, goal. Yeah, well, you know, still, if if we have a midfielder yeah. capable of doing that once a season, it's a, it's yeah, a imagine, start. Imagine that, though, you signed the newer and that in the yeah. Cabral, that was the only clip on YouTube, everybody would be going mental. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. What's that centre half doing scoring a goal like yeah, that at yeah. Chelsea? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, with, uh, that, that's, I have that similar question about Cabral with regards mm. to it. You know, is he the kind of player who's gonna who's going on these runs? But obviously, he's obviously not. No, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, you know, you you mentioned before, Stephen, about three man midfields. That's where he's best. If you put him in front of the defence, he'll. I would argue he'll do what Catamol does, but with a lot more composure and probably few yellow cards as well. Mm. But the the issue, the reason he left Basel in the first place was he wanted more money, and the club said, look, we just don't think you're worth that money. You're not justifying it, yeah. Um, we are going to get back to that three-man midfield because people who have ever read, who have, uh, read anything I've ever written or listened to these podcasts know I'm a little bit obsessed with that, so we will get on to that later. Um, next we have Valentin Roberge. Yeah, French, French chap began his career in the amateur leagues in France um, with Gongamp B. And they wanted to keep him as a, an amateur, but he had higher expectations of himself and went along to PSGB, which admittedly are also in the amateur leagues, but there's a totally different vibe there because they have their sort of promising youngsters at, at the team and also recovering players from the first team. And from there, he was spotted by a, a former PSG player who was at uh, Aris as a, a technical director, offered him a three-year deal, and he, he went to Greece. First game, Panathinaikos. Literally, things being thrown on the pitch constantly and 
you would give him no qualms with, with being quite frightened by that. He loved it. He, he said yeah. it, I thought it was brilliant. It was one of the best atmospheres I've ever played. So in. maybe we should drive him through <laughs> Southwick when he's, coming, when he's coming down. Possibly. He's coming down yeah. the Southwick, the scenic route, what yeah, all the players yeah. seem to avoid when they come to something. With a Newcastle top on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> drive it down. Test it out. Test yeah, yeah. it out. A, confident, a very confident chap. And I think, you know, he's very. his route is quite indicative of, of French players not being afraid to go abroad if they're not getting the chances yeah. at home. Yeah. And he's, he's been brilliant at Maritimo. Very strong very composed, uh, can bring the ball out of defence. Quite happy to pass it too, because in Portugal, they won't let you kick it in the stands. It's, it's very much a league where you've got to be good with your feet no matter mm. where you play. OK, well, we should certainly set a scouting system in Portugal. <laughs> um, Modibo Diakite, is that right? Is that right? There's one of three. I don't think he'll be too offended. Exactly, I know. I've seen the size. I'd say it from a distance if I was you. <laughs> um, yeah, as, as I was, was saying outside, with him, it's a fairly long story. Uh, he, he joined Lazio in 2006 from, from Pescara. Kind of had a steady progression. Um, I would say really came to prominence in his, his penultimate season. And then this year, wanted obviously to, to get his contract extended with the club. Originally, he was on €300,000. Uh, the defenders around him were on £1 million, and so he wanted a bit of parity. He he asked the club for 850000 and they came back with 650000 for five years with bonuses. Now, it's at that point Claudio Letito, the, the club's owner, comes into to prominence as perhaps shrouding the deal in, in ambiguity by saying, look, I offered to triple his wages. His agent said that wasn't necessarily the case. Now, he's a, a, really, as you've seen, he's a huge, bulking defender, very big guy, has played occasionally on the right for Lazio as well. Um, and as I said, wasn't really um, wanting to move, wanted to extend his contract, uh, but rejected the offer on the grounds that it wasn't enough. Um, the Lazio ultras didn't take too kindly to him <laughs> <laughs> rejecting his contract and torched two of his cars. <laughs> He left. Again, it. take him to Southwick. <laughs> yeah, it's a Southwick route. Again, it, it it was a difficult one, and I think he left it for a few months. You know, there was talk of Inter Milan and Juventus scouting him, and then around sort of March after the game against Siena, another offer was made to him, and he said, "Look, I just, I just want to go. I, I don't really want to stay anymore because of that reason." Yeah, and. Then he was linked Didn't with Napoli. Doesn't seem unreasonable, to be fair. Well, well, that was the thing. He, w- he was linked with Napoli, as you as you guys yeah, probably remember. Yeah. And it was at that point the Lazio fans thought there was a bit of hypocrisy, given that Lazio uh, Napoli players rather have been mugged on the street, whether they've been playing well or not. Yeah. But he's like I say, he's a, a very big defender. If there's one criticism of him, he's picked up a few slight injuries while at Lazio, and more importantly. Um, mentally, he can be a little bit aloof sometimes. Mm-hmm. He's not always the most switched on of defenders. Right. There's another Celtic joke in there anyway, but I'm not going to. He's not going to be like Mangan or Mangani, then. No, he'll definitely play. <laughs> <laughs> I can assure you of that. Yeah. Um, next, we have David Moberg Carlson. Yeah, a, a player I have to confess I haven't seen a great deal of, but I've spoken to, to people in Sweden. Unfortunately, the reports are a bit mixed. They say he's very raw, there is potential there, and others say the potential isn't there. Um, I did speak to him the, the day after he signed, and um, he sees himself as a traditional winger. He says he can play up front, yeah. but he prefers the one-on-one battle of the wing. And I think if you just look at the makeup of the squad, I almost feel as if he's probably going to take the place of McLean as someone mm-hmm. with more than just sort of one trick um, mm-hmm. to his repertoire on, on the left wing. 
party poppers have just went off in the party poppers have just went off in the studio without revelation. He's slagging McLean off. He'll be tweeting <laughs> at K Hennage. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> Gareth gave an almighty nod of approval there when he said he was here to replace McLean. Well, yeah, well, I don't want to go too harsh on McLean, but you know. He hasn't helped himself. All I'm hoping there from your your, your little summary, um, Kristen, I'll be honest, the initial name that popped in my head when you were saying mixed reports, whether he's got potential or whether he hasn't got potential, was Carsten Fredcard. I hope we're not going to go back there again. Well, let's not, like, talk about this on there. I was on Total Sport the other night. I managed to get a plug-in for the podcast, so that was good. But, um, yeah, uh, with... um, that sort of thing it's you always go for the rubbish at the top of the pile like it's a rubbish one you always pick out oh I hope he's not another friend that's just the mentality being a Sunderland fan that's what it brings on you that's kind of what I was saying but you know you can't you know there's plenty of good examples of good players who've come from all sorts of countries you know and it's funny because someone like Arthur who did quite well at Sunderland was probably the Hmm. not as a high profile Argentinian that has failed in, in England so you know you look at the Veron who did very badly uh, both at Chelsea and Manchester United then Argo, he had a good first season my new Veron I thought he was alright I, I mean it, but right. like for how much did they pay 13 million for Veron or something it was more it was than that 28 million 28 he scored a good own goal for us uh, back header <laughs> remember that 1-0 up header. at Old Trafford we were with 10 yes, minutes to go I was there but um, yeah uh, you know you can't always um, pick the Pick the rubbish one. Well, if Paolo was if, if Paolo was here, he'd be telling us to be positive. He'd be banging our heads together and telling yeah. us to be positive. So we're going to try and do that. Next, I have on the list, Kristen, is El Haji Bar. I know that hasn't been confirmed officially by the club, but he's confirmed it. And <laughs> everybody knows it. Yeah. So he's done his best to confirm yeah, it. He yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll be taking his own photographs yeah. of the shirt next. Yeah, last season's shirt. He'll be there yeah. like that. Whatever the French right. take, a picture, take a picture of photos of yeah. Southwick as he drives past. <laughs> Selfies in Southwick with El Haji Bar. There you go. There's a programme idea yeah. for you. Well, I mean, you know, the, the academy at La Havre is, is really highly rated. Paul Pogba is probably the, the standout one. Um, Asana Diara is another one. The problem Bar has is he just hasn't played enough football. Um, he's had about 12 games in League Two, uh, which is French's second tier. And he's okay. He's he's again. He's a bit probably like Carlson in the sense that he's got pace. He's got a trick about him, and there's potential there. He can play all across midfield, um, but he needs games. That's been his his problem because he rejected a contract with the club in April, um, and obviously they didn't take too kindly to that. And what's the best way you can punish a player? Don't play him. Um, so he's pretty much been on the sidelines for for a while now. So he's he's gonna need. Be it development squad games or first team, he's, he needs games. I think is the the underlying theme with him. Yeah, um, and again, we're we're going to get back to the the, the kind of sign and Sunderland's made um, regarding you know de- whether they're going to be development players or whether they're going to be ready for the first team because there's a lot of sort of confusion. I think about that. People have jumped all sorts of conclusions, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna dip further into that. So last on my list is Duncan Watmore. Your guess is as good as mine. A very no, promising no, no. striker from no, the league. I wasn't expecting you to answer that one. I just tried to catch you out. Duncan Watmore, go. <laughs> tell you what, I, I watched some videos of him and uh, some of the goals he scores. Outstanding goals. Like, I mean, obviously you're playing at that level, but 
It's, it's, the, it's carrying division below the conference, was it? But it's the way he carry when he carries the ball when he runs with the ball. He looks very comfortable running at pace with the ball. And Even on those non-league pitches with potholes and everything. Car- he carries the ball really well. I think that's a sign of a good player, someone who runs with the ball well, and he, he really does. He, he's got mm. that thing, you know, a bit like when Sessegnon did it against Newcastle when he scored that uh, first goal, that thing where he can manage to sort of, in his stride, sugar defender off and keep going. Mm-hmm. And he seemed to do that a lot in the videos that I've watched. It's all, mm-hmm. say, I was seeing yesterday on the Twitter feed that I think I've seen more football in the last six weeks on YouTube than I did in the entire mm. last season. I've, ref- I've refrained from watching them, to be honest, yeah. because, I mean, you know, you, you could you could compile a video of that like uh, anybody, I think, and make them look good. Well, probably not me, but most people. Um, Have you seen the- my video on YouTube? <laughs> uh, I thought it was the X-rated one. <laughs> not that one, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, there's a lot of, like I've just said, a lot of uh, confusion and the... The conclusion everybody's jumping to straight away when they see the sheer amount of players we are signing and being linked with and the fact that they're coming from abroad, they're quite young, is that we're flooding you know, the squad with young players and they aren't the ones there who can step straight in the first team. But in fact, when you look at the first three players we mentioned, Roberge, Dekite and Cabral, they're... They seem like they're going to be ready for the first team, don't they? They're in an age where they need to be playing. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not expecting to see them sort of, you know, on the edges of the first team, even though they are free transfers. They give you good versatility as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. Roberge can play at left back. I mean, the centre halves, to be fair, straight because we've said all last season we need a we need a capable centre half to partner or share, and he's went and signed two. So you know, you, you've you've got to give him credit in that respect. You've got to hope that at least one of them, therefore, is going to step up to the plate. Which one would you say, Chris? You've seen them both play. Which one would you say would be the most likely to do that? I think given that O'Shea is going to start, it's probably Diakite who's going to complement him the best um, just because be... of his physical attributes. And he, he can essentially he can allow O'Shea to, to use his experience more than Roberge would. Yeah. I mean, let's be fair, Gareth. You sign loads of players. A couple of them are going to be duds on there somewhere down the line. But we're not going to start second-guessing yeah. that. But... Do you, do, do you yeah. feel do you feel that um, we're, we're going to talk to the potential targets in a moment, the ones we think, you know, the formalities, the ones that look like the formalities and stuff. But we've been linked with Tom Huddleston, but do you think we need a couple more players? Because it's all well and good signing these players, put them in the development squad and thinking about the long-term plan, but you need a couple of players who are going to go onto the pitch and make the side from last season significantly better, mm. realistically, aren't you? Absolutely. I think that's that's the... The one thing that is, it does sit in the back of your mind. You're trying to, if you don't know a lot about the players, you're kind of trying to work out. Well, you know, we sign young players in the past from in, within England, and, and and big teams sign young, promising players mm-hmm. for a lot of money, and uh, and they put them straight in the first team. So it's it's, a, it's an interesting one. Do, are the young players got? Are we assuming they're going to be part of the development squad? Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you're saying like Kristen saying is is. Uh, Moberg Carlson going to come in and, and and take McLean's place. Well, McLean's first team reg, first team regular really. Um, so if he's going to, he's going to be involved in the match day squad on that assumption, you know we'll come out to Mendy in a bit. But you get the impression that Mendy might be a player who might get amongst the first team. Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't know. I mean that's the thing with not knowing about the players. And the interesting one is is the centre half situation. Now we've got brought in Roberge and Dikite and then. Quayle are still there and Brown was training this morning which is good to see him. Brown is a very good player when he's fit mm-hmm. um, so you've got players there 
who are going to be really battling for that that uh, that centre half spot. I'm going to be cynical and say that I can't say Brown. Something it's will happen. See Brown playing. Yeah. Quite possibly. You, I mean, you could very well be right, and there's there's a reason for strengthening that area. But mm-hmm. you know, is is Quayle going to be for? for you'd imagine Quayle's fourth choice now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it, isn't it? It's depth, Austin. Yeah. That's what you're wanting. Is because I think if if there's one thing we can agree on, towards the end of the season, there was a real issue with depth with the fact that midfielders were at fullback there and all was, this kind there of was. thing. But I, I mean, my point was, you're absolutely right. We do need depth. It's been a it's been a massive mm. issue. Um, however, we also need here and now mm. we need people on the on the pitch that are better than last season. Better than last It seasons. could be that those players take a bit longer to get over the line. People like Altador. And uh, Huddleston could be the kind of players what that he wants think? to bring What do we in. think of Tom Huddleston? I, I really like Tom Huddleston. We talked about well, you, it was your suggestion on the on the last podcast mm-hmm. with Huddleston. Yeah, I've I've, I've like, been like saying I've been saying it since you know about three years ago, two years ago, the season before we signed, before we sold Jordan Henderson. You know, I had it in my mind that Sunderland played better with a three-man midfield. Um, I just think that's the way you know football seems to be going now. Like we were discussing, you know, amongst ourselves before we came on air. Um, I'll very rudely point out to the listener, but um, just speaking that it, it takes a special kind of player in modern day football to play in a two man midfield competently. And mm. um, that's why a lot of sides, you know, cover this up by, you know, the three man alternative, which is nothing wrong with because there's systems that work that work with that. And I thought that Huddleston would fit with Lee Catamol and Jordan Henderson perfectly. I think that the three of them, the attributes would be perfect for each other. Huddleston has got a great range of passing, but he hasn't got the best of mobility. Jordan would have been that mobility for him. Lee Catamol would have been the protector. I think that's enhanced a little bit by the way that Huddleston finished the season. I was talking to some Tottenham fans recently and they said he finished the season quite strongly in a three-man midfield. He came, he came on in a game and changed the game. Was it, yeah. the, Dar- was it the Derby or was it against um, Chelsea or something like Chelsea, that? Chelsea, yes. He came on yeah. and I think they scored well, twice. Basically, they, they were saying that they, they think he looked really good in a three-man midfield there with Holtby and with Dem Bailey. So... If you look at those three players, <laughs> no, no, very good yeah, yes, though. yes, they are. But what I mean is, if you look at that, the the the, the trio I mentioned for Sunderland and the trio for Tottenham, they aren't dissimilar to each other. Mm. However, um, even well, even when Bruce sold um, Henderson, I still wanted Huddleston because I still thought he should have played a three-man midfield. However, now that Decanio has not really shown any indications he is going to do that, he looks like very much like a four-four-two man or a four-four-one-one man. I would worry personally about Huddleston's mobility in the centre of the park with one of these guys like Cabral or Ndai. Personally, my personal opinion, I suppose it all depends. You know, Are we going to be patronising and saying it had, depends how fit he gets? But even if he's super fit, he isn't the fastest of if players. You had, if you had Ndai, Huddleston together, I don't, think that's, I don't think that would be a bad combination. No? Well, yeah, I think the the thing I've noticed about Decanio is organisation is huge for him. Um, it's very Italian of him to yeah. to be yeah. like that, and I think your defensive stability will come from that organisation. And I think the reason he wants Huddleston is for that quick transition yeah, because absolutely he loved that at Swindon. He loved being able to just get the ball up. Perfect. What he calls tippy tappy football, he detests, mm-hmm. which is weird to hear from a, a young coach who's yeah. supposed to have come through the modern school. That's, that's another thing. My point to him about how I think he would have been great with Jordan Henderson because Huddleston moves the ball quickly. But he does it. He doesn't do it by getting all over the field. He does it from a, a you know mm. close space. But his range of passing is per, is beautiful. Henderson 
moves the ball on very fast as well. That's why what Capello said going back yeah. to the first time he picked him for England. And then gets in a the ball. Position. Yeah, exactly. But he gets a ball and moves it on, but he does it by getting about the pitch with intensity and I think they would have been perfect together. I just I'm not doubting the quality of Tom Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be over the moon if we sign him. What I would then wonder is where his legs, so to speak, are going to come from, Gareth. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? He hasn't scored a lot of goals as well. He's someone who probably should score more goals mm. from midfield. And that's I mean, the, the, one, the people who are going to benefit from a range of passing like his are going to be the, the wide men. Um, because we've seen last season laboured player, you know, Larson, Gardner, take a pick and put the name in. Yeah. Um, taking three, four touches sometimes to move the ball on. So that's going to benefit people like Adam Johnson, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I, well, I think if you look at the derby, I, I'm sure I don't have to coax you to talk about the, the, the last derby <laughs> we've result. Moved, we've moved on now. It's <laughs> fine. If you look at kind of how really uh, good that tactic was to get it out really quick to to uh, Sessegnon and Johnson, and how dangerous it could be, I think if you put Huddleston inside his own half, he'll be able to hit those players fairly quick on the on the break quite often. And again, possibly it's not a tactic you want to use at home where you want to take the game to teams and they want you to take the game to them. Mm-hmm. But away from home, it could be a, a more than a beneficial thing to at least yeah. try. Well, we, we'll, we'll try and move on from Huddleston specifically because we don't, well, know, we don't exactly know if we're going you know, to sign him. To go on to, we've got a question about Johnson anyway and if we're going to talk about the other new potential new signings yeah. Peruzzi yeah well we're coming to them now yeah that's yeah. what I was saying Peruzzi <laughs> I was trying to segue you've ruined it no you haven't ruined it I've segued <laughs> off a cliff like the inventor of the segue um, yeah this, so yeah um, is Peruzzi the kind kind of player who would complement Johnson if because if, if Johnson's playing on the right cutting in onto his left you got Peruzzi going on the outside is that is that the perfect combination if you're a Sunderland fan? Yeah, definitely. Um, he he loves to get up and down the pitch. Um, I think that's like a stock phrase for attacking fullbacks, yeah. but it, it's very much how he likes to play. Um, the again, you've probably heard a lot of Argentinian journalists here and over there saying how much of a coup this could be. It really could be because he's a highly rated fullback. His only issues are, are due to inexperience, mm. and that will come in time. But Again, he to have made your debut for Argentina at that age to be compared to to Javier Zanetti, for Zanetti to come out in Italy and say Inter are chasing him, I think he's good enough mm-hmm. to play for them. Yeah, it, it's more than enough of a character reference, I think, to prove that. Yeah, you should get well, him. It, I was actually going to say, you know, when I was thinking about this the other day before I'd actually seen Zanetti comment on it personally, I was going to say, you know, it seems the done thing in football for a player from a certain country to play in a specific position to be labelled the new. Add the play, <laughs> add the best player that's yeah. ever been in that country in that position. So, the like next, an up and coming right next. back Argentinian will be the new Zanetti. Yeah. However, then I did read that Zanetti, you know, had, had specifically spoke about this himself, and of course, the that's a nice and arrogant of him, isn't it? He's yeah. a new yeah. man, very modest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might be as good as me one day. That yeah. lad. Well, you know, um, yeah, like Kristen says, it's a good enough reference as anybody. Um, it's kind of a hard one to get your head around, but you just you just wait for something to go wrong here, then Gareth, don't, don't you? Because, it. because <laughs> yeah, because because people are seeing how good this lad is, and you're going to get excited. But mm. are you, do you think it's nearly over the line this one? Reading between the lines, it seems like it is, doesn't it? I've got doubts about. It. He's probably signed now. Now, what's this about yeah, the positive yeah. thing, the Sunderland thing? No, no, I've, I've got. The, the, I, he's the one. I've just got think about Paulo Paulo slapping you every yeah, time yeah. you're going to say something <laughs> negative. It's because um, it's purely because. There was a, a piece today um, which was found by Safsk Source or Andy from Rote Report uh, and he 
it, it mentioned that the deal was agreed in principle with Sunderland, but the deal between the player and the club wasn't hmm. in place. Um, and then there was another one saying he's basically accepted the contract and he's going to go there. Now the cynic in us would suggest that maybe if maybe if he has got that connection with Zanetti Milan, um, and if he must have spoken him, the must with Defanti and uh, Angeloni, there must have been some contact there, mm. and there's going to be other people that can speak to him at Milan. What, you know, <laughs> if he- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. If you're going to pick between Milan or Sunderland, and Zanetti played for Milan... Depends which route the drive you went to Sunderland. Depends which route the drive you went to Sunderland. Exactly, against Southwick. (laughs) But, no, seriously, though, you know what I mean. That's the cynic in us. I'm hoping it happens. I'm hoping it happens, and it it, it seems as though it probably will. Mm -hmm. But that's just that thing. All it'll take is, you just feel all it takes is a phone call. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It all comes back to... For the, that price as well. It's not yeah. a lot of money, is it? Oh, no. it's, it's a lot to... You've got to remember, it's a lot to Vela Sarsfield. Because yes. Argentinian... Yeah. The league there has been on you just, spare bones for You just a while think, now. you know, like Gareth was saying, being cynical, it's a, it's a bit natural if you, if a club like ours is linked with somebody who's perceived to be so good. You just think that because it's it doesn't seem like vast amounts of mm. cash and stuff, that mm. other clubs in the Premier League would all of a sudden... Turn yeah. round and see it. Well, what's this? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's we could do for we could do with a right back. Well, I think you've got to remember you, you've just got Angelonian who's who's come from Inter. So I would imagine I joked about the other day probably left the office with a fair few yeah. of his transfer plans there in his hand. Yeah. Um, Scribbled out Inter and wrote Sunderland on the top. Yeah, <laughs> and so for that reason, that's probably why. I mean, you're completely right in saying there's a lot of ambiguity around this one because I read a report on I think it was Saturday on Vela's website where he was talking, it was kind of like a feature-style yeah. piece with him, and he confirmed, uh, I think it was to the president's daughter, it, it all sounds very weird, <laughs> I appreciate, but they were writing down the conversation, and he confirmed that he'd be going to Sunderland. There hasn't been much movement since then, but Inter haven't moved either. Um, they, again, they're not really doing a great deal at this precise moment. They've signed a few defenders already, but not a right-back. And I don't really think a right-back is what they desperately need. And mm-hmm. I think he probably wants games if he's going to try and get in that World Sometimes Cup Sometimes the time is just right, isn't it? Yeah. Where you just, you just, you've got to think, well, players, other clubs could be looking and saying, well, you know, that, that's a player we'd like to sign, but we, at the moment in time, we can't spend yeah. our time look at pursuing a right-back. Um, somebody like Manchester City, who he's been linked with as well, probably don't care mm. because they think... Let him, have, let him have a season let him yeah. have a season in the Premier League see what he's like and then we're going to pay a ridiculous there's, amount there's that, there's that word <laughs> yeah. as well though it's 
you know, the, that word, it's the, the one that's buying around, the project. I was interested in the project, and it's always this thing. The project was very appealing to me now. I that's something rather than, project, but that's it though, isn't it? I don't know what the mentality is in these other countries, but if yeah. that's the way they work things, and if they're coming in saying, well, I could go to Manchester City, I could go to Inter, but is that, because I think in England, it's a very English mentality. As soon as the biggest club comes in, you go to that club regardless. Mm. And I think in other countries, maybe they look at it going, they look at it going like, you know, are we, uh, is that right for me now? And it's like the perfect fit, like you're saying, the other mm. way around though, you know, are we, you know, Sunderland, I've spoke to Angeloni, he's convinced us that it's the system mm-hmm. that I want to be involved in, this yeah. project, and that's what he's interested in. And of course, he's been recommended um, by the former Newcastle player. Whose name has just escaped me? Christian, Christian Bacillus. Bacillus, yeah. They're all at it. Um, that's what I was about to say. Well, yeah, yeah. you're talking about former Newcastle players, and Dabizas is, of nice course, segue. yeah. <laughs> Dabizas, of course, is the um, what's his title? Sporting director. Sporting director yeah. Let's say that. At Panathinaikos. Joe Kinnear, yeah. yeah. Project, is a good project manager. I was just interested. <laughs> Team leader. I was, just, <laughs> I was just interested to know what Kristen thought about the fact that because it's Nikos Dabizas former Newcastle player, you know, I've heard him in recent years come out and, and, and speak about his love for Newcastle and stuff still, and I know there's people saying there's no room for friendship in business, however, you just feel that, you know, if the, this, Mav- Mavrias, is that how you? Mavrias. Mavrias, um, you just feel if he's going for so cheaply, would Dabazaz not have, you know, give Newcastle a little, little nudge and said, uh have a think about putting an offer in for this guy. <laughs> he, he might have. That's that's just the thing. He might have said, "Look, we've got this young guy. He's a very promising Greek uh, international, but they might not have been interested." Joe Yeah, Douglas. We've yeah. only been after him for eighteen months. Not that on the head. <laughs> yeah. We're going to sign Matt Taylor instead. He's like, "Who's this Dabazas? Mm. Who? Yeah. Did, did I sign you for Newcastle?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, sorry. No, I was going to say it's just it's just one of those things you you don't know if if they're interested. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that, that Sunderland have signed a player that Newcastle have wrongly overlooked. That mm-hmm. that would be where I would look at it from. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I've just touched on it there. I think when when I said sometimes these players become available, and other clubs would say I would ideally like somebody like that, but it's not the time to go and pursue that particular position or whatever. So I think that's a lot of that we we'll have to thank for the inclusion of Defante this year as our director of football because as a former agent, he knows where to look, doesn't he? So it's a case of you know, all this seems to be coming together because of that um, where sometimes other clubs apparently, you know, they might find one Peruzzi or something and, and think, you know, they've got lucky with that one but we seem to be signing a few all together. He just seems, you seem like, he seems like his finger's on the pulse, doesn't it, certainly? De- definitely. Yeah. And it's... Um, you think it's a long-term strategy now? Well, it has to be. If it isn't, then it's not going to work. I mm-hmm. mean, fun, I mean, not to go look at Newcastle, but they put a strategy in place that seemed to be bearing fruit, and they seem to have just completely abandoned it for some bizarre reason. And the you know talking about signing thirty-year-old strikers, which was, which is you know, and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's sort of descended into a bit of chaos. But it comes it comes and back again to getting it right on the pitch, doesn't it? It does. Because, well, abso- because, absolutely. Because we, it's okay having this long-term plan in place. Yeah, but. Sometimes you know you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs, so you know that's 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 uh, that's what they're going to have to do. It hasn't. We've been you know we nearly got relegated last season, um, and sort of it, it sort of reminds us a bit of the the rainer season, let's call it, uh, where we finished seventeenth. Mm-hmm. 
and we just stayed up by the skin of our teeth. And the following um and the following year, obviously we went down with nineteen points. Um we didn't make any changes that year. We just kept going down the same thing and I just feel this is kind of a similar sort of similar situation really. Yeah. Uh, this we finished seventeenth and now we're trying to change it because yeah. we have to and it's coming you know, we there's we sort of I would I wouldn't say we're pioneers but I think we're certainly Made grab the yeah. bull by the horns yeah. when it comes to this if, this ideology. If, if it works out, I think people are going to mm. look at us. A, yeah. we, we always talk about the Swansea model. And everything. Yeah, yeah. It could be the Sunderland model. We've, we've how how ex- cool would that be? I think we've gone. Com- <laughs> I don't think there's anybody else in the league doing what we do. Maybe Arsenal, so, but with the looking with them looking at bringing yeah. them up through the reserves specifically, mm-hmm. I can't see any other teams in the top well, flight. That's doing the what thing about doing. this director of football role, isn't it? You know, they often get pigeonholed into this or into that, where you know. Ideally, and you know, realistically, they have different roles at each club, different levels of autonomy, don't they? And it seems to us like um, here that he will be mm. he will be the main man when it comes to looking for the players, to, and then possibly say, "Well, give De Canio a shortlist," or De Canio says, "I want this well, kind of player." This is what we're saying. I, to I don't think De, I don't think De Canio is going to go and say, "Go and get me yeah. Peruzzi from I was interested. I was interested in that because I was saying, well. Yeah. The conversation we had, I was kind of saying, has Di Canio gone? Well, oh, I quite like the look of um, Mavrias. I quite like mm. the look of yeah, um, Rebege. You know, my head says no. I doubt it. Um, yeah, I'd be inclined to agree. Yeah, but that's that's interesting, isn't it? Because now you're gonna. We always talk last season about having a level of consistency at Sunderland, and the problem is when you change the manager, and the kind of managers we've had, and the kind of ideology we've got mm-hmm. as a football club it's always let's just get rid of all these players and bring a lot of new ones in mm-hmm. and they're always the same kind of players mm-hmm. um, now the player the, the manager is going to have to come in and understand what we're doing and I think we'll get more continental managers as a result down the line because mm-hmm. the was not going to be there forever you know it, it could be a case if we end up seeing more and more managers and are less stable in that department but more stable on the off the pitch mm-hmm. sides because you know what it's like in in Italy and in Spain, where they've got these kind of systems. You lose, you don't win in six, you're out the door, yeah. and they just get somebody else. So that might be what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't like to see that kind of manager instability, it's, but it's, it wouldn't surprise oh, me. It's the best thing, and I, I said it straight away that you know you want the manager and director of football to be simultaneous together, so that mm. when one goes, the other one can seamlessly come in. Yeah. That's what you would hope for. Let's it, just hope manager, we, let's it, just hope yeah. we have a. We don't have a turbulent season where we need to put that theory to test. I think, no, I think the, the negotiations for a new manager would be, we are doing it this way, do you want to get involved, rather than mm-hmm. the manager coming in and saying, I want to do this and yeah. that. But when I spoke to Adam Johnson previously, um, and I uh, spoke to him about the De Canio signings at Swindon, he said that was the his biggest downfall at Swindon. His one thing, he would sign a lot of players, and then he would even go as far as to sign he didn't like them and pay the contracts off which isn't healthy. You can't do that in the Premier League for a start. That, in that way, Kristen, does it feel like we've got the best of De Canio? Because if that was his one downfall, we've taken that away from him to an extent. He, I mean, remember he did leave Swindon because they sold a player behind his back. But mm. that's not going to happen here. <clears throat> and also, I don't think they're cutting him out from it. But the you know, they're consulting him first, obviously. That's mm-hmm. his team. But they're taking that responsibility away from him to a, to a sense. Yeah, I think, as you, as you said, that was the biggest problem. I think there's about 24 players signed the highest agent fees in terms of uh, the league that they were in. 
I think amputating that aspect of his of his job title is really quite a good idea. Um, and giving it to someone with the experience of Angeloni, with the experience of Defanti, is even better. Um, I think it's telling the fact that uh, Diakite's agent said today in Italy that he hasn't actually spoken to Di Canio yet. Um, that might worry you in some instances, but I think it tells you where the negotiation and yeah. perhaps the, the identification side of things stems from. I think it's probably relatively normal that though mm. on the well, continent. it is on the continent of course it is Rel- you know that's probably but it's just interesting when you compare like what i'm saying the different levels of autonomy they have because you know this is a sunderland podcast so i don't want to start talking about newcastle but it's, it's relevant <laughs> i don't want anybody to start saying i'm obsessed um because joe Kinney has been coming out saying you know i hold advantage over other directors football because i've played the game and i've managed in the game nobody else has done that and I'm just looking at that, you know, regardless of whether I have or not, I'm looking at that um, and I'm wondering, I'm thinking, I think I would rather have an ex-player agent who knows all the gaps and holes in the I market think, think than it, somebody, you know, what, what are you going to say? What are you going to say to Peruzzi? Oh, yeah, it's Joy. I used to play for Tottenham. I think oh, Bar- where do I sign? Do you I know what I mean? Barry I mean, Fry's I, probably a better example. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. a better example of a British director of football because yeah. he's been involved as a manager and a sort of a chairman, mm. hasn't he? So I think he probably... He's probably a good example of somebody who understands what the role is because he, he knows he knows both parts of it. Um, I think it's like... We don't want to, like, you know, but do the mm. whole, like, bash the with a stick thing. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's just a, a generally disastrous idea. Yeah. It's nothing to do with the director <laughs> of football. Um, there was a guy on Total Sport last night, I think he said, uh, Kenny's the type of guy you could imagine wandering down Gated High Street in his dressing gown. <laughs> <laughs> on an afternoon so you know I think he's kind of summed that up I think that's just a completely disastrous situation mm. you're going to talk you know, seriously about it I think the interesting thing as well on the flip side Ellis Short's links with Defanti before um, De Canio came yeah. in anyway have they been talking is it mooted yeah. that Defanti's gone was the change would Martin O'Neill have been the manager yeah. well, under the change he, if he'd been getting he, results he introduced this background uh, and, didn't he the interview yeah, uh, he introduced the family and stuff to to martin o'neill apparently um and then you know obviously didn't go to plan and i think martin's just hammered the final nail in his own coffin there but i think that, really. that i wouldn't be surprised if fanny's gone the canio's the kind of person who can work within this system and the canio's the kind what, of person as well you, you'd imagine him he wouldn't if somebody said to you listen this is your tran- this is your record with transfers it's not great we want you out on the training pitch tactics Doing all that, bear in mind, he, and he might just if it's for the good, if it's for the greater good, he would probably hold his hands up and say, "Well, but at the time he hasn't got a club. All of yeah, a sudden, yeah. you've you've been managing in the third, the fourth, yeah. and then the third tier of English football, he and then all of a like, sudden, a Premier League club, a, you know, I would say a fairly big Premier League club comes to you and says, "Would you like to do this? However, you can't do transfers. I don't think he's a position he's going to he's mm. going to get in his moral high horse and say, "No, no, no, I want to, I want everything." <laughs> he you know, he probably couldn't believe his luck. To be fair, he doesn't like, seem like the kind of Manager who would want to sit down and thrash out. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's that's the thing. The most positive. I mean, I was, I'm making assumptions here, by yeah. the way. The so. most positive thing for me that's coming out of all this is that um, it's kind of one of those moments, you know, those Eureka moments where I think, how did people not click on this before? Where every single summer a manager comes out and says, complains about the amount of time they sit and spend on the phone, mm. trying to, you know, I've been ringing this person, ringing that person. Roy Keane used to do it. Steve Bruce used to do it. So I'm. Um, I'm guessing that managers at other clubs. Don't want to take Steve Roos long. Well, he's only got six numbers on his phone. <laughs> El Mahamadi, <laughs> cut them all. But do you know what I mean? And it's, and you think, well, 
how this the manager shouldn't have this to deal with. Mm. The, you know, it's not like the club need to budget themselves. You know, and make make cuts in that aspect. I mean, Kristen, I don't know what you think, but I mean, as somebody who's sort of a bit of a sage of world football, <laughs> I'd say wow. that you can put that on your thing. Wow. Sage of world football. You couldn't even put the quote and put Gareth's name on <laughs> yeah, it if yeah. you want. Sage of world football, Kristen Henning. Um, Gareth Barker, why yeah, is it yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah, uh, that would immediately discredit <laughs> what I'd said. Um, I can't even remember what I was going to say now. Yeah, are, are, are we behind the times in England in what we do? Are we stuck in our ways? Is the problem with English football, is a wide issue, is the problem with English football nothing to do with too many foreign players coming into England? Is it just that we've got a very pig-headed mentality about the way we do just, things in I this country? I just come in before to add to that question, it's the same mm-hmm. question, because I would add to that by saying that on the continent it, se- it does seem a little, lot more cutthroat where the manager isn't involved in the buying and selling at all and they will go and buy and sell players without that manager's approval. What, what seems to be going on here is, you know, is not the working together a lot more, or is that major stereotyping? I, th- I think it's different at club to club. Um, but if we sort of isolate Italy as a good example, because that's where Di Canio is from, the hiring and firing side of things can definitely, on a superficial level, look to be uh, very continual. I think Palermo's probably the best example of that, and Maurizio Zamperini um, famously hired and sacked the same manager twice in the same season. <laughs> But having a sporting director is not alien, and I think that's probably why De Canio's got no problem with it, because he's been raised in a country, yeah. played in a country, where it's it's quite par for the course. And but do you think they've um, altered a little here, though? They've given De Canio a little bit more power? Like... I, I don't think more power, per se, but I think they're consulting him in the same way that a lot of clubs do, in terms of having a seamless dialogue between all three of the mm. owner, the sporting director, and uh, mm. the, the manager. And then essentially giving that decision to, to whoever has probably gifted it, which can sometimes be the sporting director. I would probably say it's between the sporting director and Ella Short on this one, just because they have the most experience, no disrespect to, to Paolo Di Canio. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one. Um, what else is, you know, we, we, we keep mentioning about the scouting system and everything, and there's been more news this week that he's adding, adding to the scouting system, so... They really are going full throttle. That's that's the thing, isn't it? And you, you would just hope that the Canio can hold out, and he doesn't go. You know, it's always at the back of your mind the that same, something's going to happen. And same time, you're kind of thinking, well, it kind of doesn't matter if it does. No, I know no. what you're saying. Do that's you know the plan. That, that's a long-term plan. It's a long-term plan. Yes, you but, do want stability early doors. Yes, but you know, if everything's still just ticking over and you know brewing a little bring bit, in, bring you, in the right. Bring you in need everything Europe. to fall. To settle down before that. Bringing happens. in these young European footballers, I think you know, and Die not nailed it on the head back in the last season. Like he was like, "Well, what's the fuss about? Why are people? We've had to train for like two hours a day, oh, well, and we've had that. to, you know, we had to wear heart <laughs> monitors, and we had to do this." So and Dai's like, "Well, what's the problem? Yeah, like, exactly, well, this yeah. is what we do. That is how we do it." Mm-hmm. So he's probably. I wonder what he was thinking when he came over and went. Makes you laugh what's with the, going on here? Yeah, it makes you laugh with a double shift. Does it call a double shift? A double shift. And then they're leaving before leaving mid afternoon to go home. They were there thinking, twelve come on. hours there yesterday, apparently. Yeah, and well, I think they're probably there twelve hours there. But, but that, the that's thing just is, the initial two weeks young, when he's doing, these, he's doing these, this. We don't know that though. I mean, yeah. these young lads coming in, they probably have been brought up in that environment. And there's, you're not going to get any ego problems. And if you're not willing to get on board with it, then you know where the door is. Mm-hmm. I think that that might be that might be the way to go. Mm-hmm. If you're going to, you know, like it's funny because Decanio and everyone's everyone's going. He's going. I'm going to change everything. 
that was the most he was I'm gonna change everything and everyone oh anyone can say that. I can say that. Mm-hmm. And but they are and when we talked last podcast of the season, you know, Gary was saying, um Gary Foster was saying, Oh, I can't see him bringing in this many players. Well mm-hmm. we're up it. we're up to seven already and yeah. we haven't signed any we haven't signed, you know, mm-hmm. um and and the one and, and, the, and the ones who were going Aldo. into the development squad as well, that doesn't really matter. You can't really add that as a onto the numbers if to say it's going to cause a problem because the idea for a lot of them will just to be underneath the first team squad mm. anyway. So that shouldn't make a difference. I, I can't see a problem with strengthening your under twenty one side but or development side because other clubs yeah. do it. You know, Carlson and uh, we aren't bringing young kids through. Sometimes you've got to just go and pack. You've just got to go and get them at a young age. Carlson and. Uh, Carlson and um, Mandron were training with the first team today. Mm-hmm. Um, I've the, seen Mandron play. I'm, I'm not. So I'm not I, I think he's got potential. I mm-hmm. think he has got potential. But um, so, but it's, it's potential. But the interesting thing about you know in the, in, in the Martin O'Neill situation, I mean, I've heard a few rumours about you know not putting players on the bench, not putting these young players on the bench. I mean, there were rumours I you know don't want to don't want to get them. You know, they get a grand if they get to sit on the bench or something like that. So mm-hmm. I don't want them to. I don't. I don't want them to to come on the bench. That's you know, Decanio. He's buying the young players and and he wants to integrate them mm-hmm. and is you know getting it's them ready for it. Talking about this, Kristen, the development squad and the first team squad. Who's ready for what? Mm-hmm. Bernard Mendy's a player who it looks like he's on his way. Um, first team or development squad? First team. Yeah, first team, um, and rightly so because he's a very good player that. You, you, when you look at him, you probably think, why is he not with the French under-21s if he's this good? It's only because Lucas Digny is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, the guy ahead of him is, is really good and is probably going to move like the, on. Like the Leighton Baines actually calls it. Yeah, it's a, yeah. A, a great example of, yeah. of what his situation is. And I think as well, if there's one thing I can perhaps really suggest about him, mean, he seems very relaxed and very down-to-earth, um, which is sometimes a trait we look for in footballers these days. He's... You know, still lives at the uh, the La Havre Academy um, with his, his teammates and was quite happy to take a very slow progression in football. Didn't really want to rush anything, but was still had the ambition to say, I want to go and play for Barcelona and, and Danny Alves is my idol. Mm-hmm. What, was he, what was it, sorry, on the subject of La Havre and, and the French and the 21s and come to Bar again, he made a com- an interesting comment saying that he didn't get in the French under, 20, under 20s because he... Because the chairman of La Havre told the manager not to pick him or something. Yeah, like that. he was. He's obviously not wanting to. You know, you know Benjamin Mendy's obviously wanting to leave with a a bit of uh, decorum about him. Bar's not following suit no. with that. He's quite happy to say, look, you know, I would have <laughs> been with the under twenties if it wasn't for the. Is that, uh, tr- the is that true or is he? I can't honestly say if it is. Um, Does it sound likely? If if it's not true, I hope he's got a very good legal team um, yeah. <laughs> because uh, owners, especially La Havre's owner, will vehemently fight any kind of thing like that or will make sure that it's as difficult as possible for him to move, which might explain why it's it's not happened yet is because he's making Sunderland jump through extra hoops just to mm. yeah. to annoy them. Mm. We've talked about cause one, the, one, the one probably big sign, have we got time? Few We've minutes, got a couple of couple minutes. minutes. We've got a couple of minutes. The one, the one big, the one big one that's on the agenda is out the door. Really, position that we really need to strengthen. Um, I mean, I didn't mind him when he was Hull. I thought he was all right, and I think it's unfair to bat him with this. You know, he was 19 when he was at Hull, so I think it's unfair. But what I mean, what did you see much of out the door last season? Is, is um, that because he had butted uh, <laughs> That's it. Was, the, yeah. was there any basis on that? Is why you like? No, it? well, I'll, I'll be I honest. Liked, I liked Hutton, but I'll be, I'll be I honest thought he looked all right. I'd, my memory from him. Um, for a hole against Sunderland with the stadium of light 
um, he got absolutely nowhere near Anton Ferdinand that yeah. day. Um, but you know, considering his age at the time, yeah. and Anton Fer- that was it's probably that was that, that, was, not, that was probably Anton Ferdinand's purple patch in his career, where he was looking all right anyway as well. But I just remember, I think for one of the goals, he tried to hold the ball up, and Ferdinand just shook him away and set yeah. a goal up. I think, but that's you know that's. You can't, you can't use that. But you can't, you you can't 50, use 50 yeah. goals this last two seasons. A lot's changed. Yeah. I've probably, to my downfall, I've got, I've got faith in people. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, if, if I was... Now, more than any other time, I'm quite, mm. you know, prepared to give our scouting system the benefit of the, mm-hmm. benefit of the doubt compared to previous regimes. That, that's just natural because of the, the, the pedigree of all these guys. So from that aspect alone, you know, I'm pretty happy with anybody they're looking at and, and want to bring to the club, to but be what, honest. What, I mean, with, with you obviously having a reasonable knowledge of the yeah. American game as well, I mean, is he somebody, is he somebody, you know, has he, do you feel he's progressed enough to make definitely. an impact? Oh, oh definitely. He's, he's matured a lot. Um, there was an offer from from Eastern Europe for him last season, but uh, Ernie Stewart, who is a fellow American of his, said that they didn't accept it on the grounds that they couldn't find a replacement. They've now got a replacement, which I think was Stewart subtly suggesting, look, we quite feel like doing this deal now, provided it's around that 8 to 10 million euro mark. Yeah. His techniques improved a lot. That was always something, to be honest, that when I had discussions with, with American colleagues of mine that I was never truly sold on. If you watch a lot of his goals from last season, there's a good amount of technique in mm. there. He's still quite big and, and brutish, and I feel like he's he's almost grown into his frame. I think before, because I mean, he, he came through at a really young age with the mm. New York Red Bulls, and I don't think he was fully adjusted to his frame more than anything and how no, to use that. It's a funny one with, the, with big, tall players or big lads. It, it takes a lot of time to develop certain certain aspects, like mm. like physiologically. And I think like Crouch is a good example of somebody who was a big, big, tall boy. Obviously, he's not, you know, yeah, like Altidore, but it's a good example of somebody who, as time went on, once they became comfortable in themselves. Definitely, and hopefully that's the case without the door. But um, I like this goal he scored against Ajax away, where he oh, won two, one. and then yeah. that's what we're talking about technique. Yeah, the ball, exactly. like just the spin of the balls and yeah. take it out of the net. It's just stuck in there. But it was Americans, a... are, I must confess, Americans aren't as sold on this move as as you would possibly hope. They were had hopes he would Do go you think to it's a different beneath him, basically. They or... essentially, I think they look at the table last season and say, "Oh, we want him to go to Swansea, mm. or we want him to go to a club perhaps that's more." Uh, fashionable, shall we say, in mm. in today's game? But I think in a two-man front line with with Stephen Fletcher, I think Fletcher will benefit a lot from mm. it as well because having someone who can can take that physical side and leave Fletcher because I I think for all the talk of Fletcher being a target man, he's, he's actually really no. good with his feet. I don't oh, think he's he a very man. good technical player. Yeah, yeah, his goal against Wigan showed that. And is, if you oh, can yes, yeah. give someone who can take that physical side for him, I will tell you what, Decanio will love about Fletcher. Um, just to finish, because we're going to have to wrap things up. Um, <laughs> His, I wanted to sign Stephen Fletcher before we did, for, you know, the full year before mm. we did. I was always campaigning for it. I used to go and salute Sunderland and write about and say, I want Fletcher in, I want Fletcher in. And, you know, that that was summed up in, you know, when he's got a brace uh, against us when yeah. in the soul, when Steve Bruce had left yeah. um, the game before Martin O'Neill yeah, came yeah. in and we got beat 2-1. And yeah. the second goal, he got the ball halfway, laid it off yeah. and then turned and busted a gut yeah. to get in the box. The Canyon will love that, let's yeah. be fair. Well, so Mick McCarthy's that... always said that Fletcher mm-hmm. is a brilliant trainer. Um, mm-hmm. And 
So I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you get on board, you know, I'm sure Decanio will love you if you get on board. Which it seems. You know, so let's, let's, all let's hope he starts getting some of these signings in for pre-season. Well, you know, we might go out and we'll have signed Mendy, we'll have signed Barn, we'll, we'll have signed Peruzzi. Nobody's and, knocked on the studio window to, to, get inform, out. <laughs> <laughs> to inform me of anything. So we're going to have to um, wrap things up there, I think. So thank Kristen for coming in. And Absolute thanks, pleasure. Gareth, as always. We don't know when we'll be back. We're just going to have to play a part I reckon, here. I reckon we should pencil one in for the 25th of July. That's a Thursday. Don't go throwing dates out there no, because no, then, 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 then it feels like we're going well, to have speaking, to stick with Speaking of dates, do we mention about that live podcast thing? Dates yet. Um, no, we haven't. No. We'll, just, no, we'll keep that more when it comes out. Keep that on the, well, we need to do it soon. Let's just, give, let's, just leave, let's leave that teaser with them. You know, and they're probably turning off. They've probably turned off already. So <laughs> we'll... Um, All right, and I'll let, I'll let you off. <laughs> we will... You know, keep in touch through Twitter, and we will no doubt um, yeah, keep, keep an eye out on Twitter for the live podcast yeah. thing because you are going to need to know if you want to get tickets. Mm. So next couple of weeks, that'll be they'll be announced. We'll say there'll be announcement within the next fortnight regarding the live yes. podcast. There yeah. you go. You can have that one. Okay. Thanks for Kristen for coming <laughs> in and Gareth as well. So as always, people, see you next time. Over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 